Hi, I'm Beck. And I'm Paul. And this is DV Declutter. Yes, and we're on to episode four. And today we're looking at one of my DVDs. Um, but if you're tuning in for the first time and you haven't got any idea of what we're doing here, we are watching, going through our old DVD collections, watching all of our old DVDs and deciding whether or not we should keep them. It's got it all. It's got DVDs and it's got declutter. So if you're a fan of Mari Kondo, is that yeah, her name? I think so. <laughs> Kondoing? I don't yep. know what it's called. If you're a fan of that or obsolete <laughs> media, you've come to the right place. Yep. Or if you just want to listen for half an hour, listen to us talk some shit. Yes, or even less time. I've heard one of our listeners listens to us at 1.5 speed, so <laughs> it can be less. You can, you're in control, really. And that's it. Apart from the content, which is up oh, to yeah, us. Oh, yeah, that's true. Speaking of, today we are looking at Garden State. Yes, your film. Beth. My film. My, one of my um, favourite films from a long time ago. Um, but I think I saw it at the cinema. Wow. I did see it at the cinema in Melbourne when I was still at school, but I came to... Melbourne to see it with a friend of mine who had left. I must have been in year 12, so it would have been 2005. I'm actually now thinking, when did this film come out? I feel like it was 2004, uh, 2004 but that I feel like might have been, um, you know, festivals. Yes. Yep. So the actual release date would have been a bit later. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. yeah so story checks out. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. We have fact checked yep. this. Yeah. Well, I've, I've just, I've just dived straight in without introducing the first part of what we're doing, but well, well I think go for it. Beck's going to give a bit of a rundown to how this DVD ended up in her life before yes. we start to review it with any sort of critical lens. Yes. <laughs> yes, before we put our glasses on. So, it was 2005. I was in year 12. I had done year 12 media when I was in year 11. Ooh. Yes, ahead of the game. And in that class, I had made friends with some actual year 12, so they were a year ahead of me. And they were very cool. I thought they were very cool. But they were very cool in like that very weird, quirky, like um, artsy way. So my friend who I was like totally in awe of because she was so like different and artsy and like didn't care about what people thought about her. And just for, for my, I don't know, I feel like I was very much like wanted to be like her because she was so, yeah, had uh, she had very little inhibitions and I had a lot of inhibitions. <laughs> <laughs> I was like very like worried about what people thought about me and um, you know, wanted to fit in and all this stuff. And she was just like, didn't give a fuck about that. And was like wearing ripped tights to school and has this crazy curly hair and is a beautiful person. So I'd come to Melbourne to visit my friend, um, who had left my very small town of sale straight after high school, which I also did. And a lot of others. And that was to become an actor. For her, no. Oh, I'm getting the film mixed up with real life. Sorry. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for her, it was to become an artist. Mm. So she was studying art at RMIT. Just like living her life. I think she had started seeing women as well, which as a very closeted person in the country was like, oh my God. You know, like just life in the city was so like free and artistic and, you know, liberating. And then we went to see this film and... I think I have a lot of those kind of feelings attached to this film. So when I watched this film for the first time, I had all of that imbued into the film when I went to see it. Mm. Yeah. And it is the kind of film that's perfect for that because it is oh, yeah. like, <laughs> that's what it wants to be basically, isn't yeah. it? That's, it's like, that's it, it exactly. Yeah. And I feel like the fan base that it has are all around sort of 
your age yep. because it really struck that chord with yes, a lot of people. It was, a, that time it was a stage of their life yes. where they were, you know, looking for looking to be unique. To yeah. stand up in a moment and be completely unique. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh god, one of the most <laughs> cringeworthy parts of the film. We'll oh, yes. uh, talk about later. So, so I you, guess... you've seen the film, but when did yes. the DVD come into your life? Oh, see, this is really this is the worst part about this podcast for me yep. because I cannot remember a lot about when I got the DVDs. I can remember about the film and everything that the film means to me, but I cannot, for the life of me, remember where I got this DVD. Yeah, but it obviously the film meant a lot to you. The Enough film meant you a lot to you. Like I would like to own. Yes, like definitely a, a physical copy of this in my life. Yes. Yeah, but do you want to? Uh, yeah, before we go any talk further, talk a little bit about what the div- what the film is actually about. Garden State. 2004 slash 5, Zach Braff, written, directed film. Um, It's about a boy named Largeman. Well, he's 27. uh, 26 or 27. Yes, a boy. In my my (laughs) years, I'll I'll call him a young man. Um, Largeman's his name. Well, his name is Andrew Largeman. Andrew Largeman. He is in LA trying to be an actor. He's working at a Vietnamese restaurant. Yeah. He gets a call that his mum's died. Yes. His mum's drowned in a bathtub. Yes. So he because has... she's um, in a wheelchair. Yeah. Paraplegic. Yeah. 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 You find out that pretty, pretty soon, really. Yeah. He go- he goes back to the funeral and he's there for a few days, and while he's there, he catches up with his old mates mm-hmm. and sees how the town is going. Yeah. Um, you find out pretty early on too that he is on a series of medications mm-hmm. um, to help him Lithium. with his mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also find out that it was his dad who put him on these. Yes, his dad is his meds. Uh, psychiatrist. psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah. Played by Bilbo Baggins. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Bilbo Baggins is there. Um, so he's been having these headaches. He goes to the doctor. The doctor says maybe give the meds a miss for a while. But anyway, at the doctor's he meets Natalie Portman. Yes. Who is called something in this film? Samantha. Samantha. Um, <laughs> Sam. Sam. I think she gets called Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Sam and him get along. They get on his weird motorbike. Yeah. They uh, date a bit. Yeah. Turns out they uh, go on all sorts of adventures. Oh yeah, all kinds of. Um, they get along. They kind of start dating. They talk about the pains of being young. Yeah. Um, and you know life yeah then really he um sort of has a bit of a fling with her yeah has a bit of an adventure with his best mate peter sarsgaard yeah mark yeah where they you know do all kinds of things yeah um that ends with them shouting into a giant valley yeah and then he goes home makes up oh forgot the big bit turns out he made his mum a paraplegic because he pushed her and she fell over the dishwasher and banged her head on a bench yes and the back of her neck yeah yeah and there's sort of like never been a resolution between him and his father no so after he's done all this sort of like crazy get in touch with my roots adventure stuff he finally has the conversation with his dad um there's a bit of catharsis yeah everyone seems a lot better he's ready to go home he says to sam oh look this has been great but i gotta go back to la yeah and then he doesn't he's got to go find himself again and that he's had this end then he comes back because he realizes. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't well, get you're on the plane. the reason. That's it. So that's a basic plot. Except imagine that plot, but every ten minutes there's a early thousands pop song just sort of punched straight in your face. I love the soundtrack. It's a good soundtrack, but it's, it's not. It's intrusive. It's a, it's no. It's like imagine that story, but then like 
every 10 seconds it's like a poignant moment like every moment is mm. is told to you as if like oh this is this is important yeah and but also s- this is important and subtle this is wouldn't be important. a way i'd describe anything in this no film. no um but basically so basically it's a story about him like reconnecting with some old friends seeing what his other friends were doing yeah. back in jersey because he had been he'd left and he'd left after his mum was paraplegic i believe yeah and basically hadn't school come back and then yeah since. nine years yeah so when he um was... but also it's a story about him being very emotionally numb and waking up mm. coming off the the um the pills and waking up yeah and feeling emotion again and crying he cries and it's a beautiful moment he does cry they catch the tear in a cup yes. to save it because it's so precious yes um but anyway that's the plot yeah and that is the plot beck's going to review it now through through her um rose-colored glasses <laughs> i don't know if they're so rose-colored anymore <laughs> I don't know. So, I mean, Zach Braff is had obviously been a student of film when he made this because it's very precise. Everything mm-hmm. is like done to his exact, you know, specifications, and um, you know, all of it is his vision. It's it's very much a personal story. Like, I feel like I don't know how many people. It obviously did resonate with a lot of people then, mm. but I don't know how many other I don't know like I don't know how many other people it would resonate with now it's a privileged white male fantasy mm. yeah which is fine it's fine yeah. I don't know like it's all right it's I really I personally really like the soundtrack like I would just listen to the soundtrack yeah so would I yeah um, but you know I think it could have been used better. better and also you don't need to do every song on your iPod man why not? <laughs> he went through it. Like, it's, it's honestly, like, he was just sitting there clicking through it. It's like, and now this one. And now this one. Just, yeah, just 10 seconds of it. Just 10 seconds of it. But they're all move so on very good. quickly. <laughs> okay, so what did I say? I said, oh, yeah, like, as a story, it's fine. There are obviously issues with, we'll talk about the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, obviously, today, which, mm. if you don't know, is a trope of a female character in these types of films where... Um, the female character, the female counterpart to the main protagonist is there to kind of release the stunted male protagonist from his insecurities from and angst. anxieties. Yeah. yeah, his inner angst. I actually looked up. So the Manic Pixie Dream Girl was a term coined by a film critic from the AV Club called Nathan Rabin. And he said it was actually he actually t- started talking about it in about Elizabeth Town, mm. which is um, <laughs> just this film, right? Yeah, <laughs> very very similar. Yeah, which has Orlando Bloom and Kirsten Dunst in it. Mm. Um, have you seen it? Do you remember it? I remember falling asleep halfway through. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that's yeah. The review I read was like pretty much like that. Um, well, yeah. So he said so he wrote this essay about or he wrote an article about Elizabeth Town and he references. Natalie Portman's character Sam from Garden State in this the same article and he says that he coined this term the manic pixie dream girl and she exists solely in the fevered imagination of sensitive writer directors to teach broodingly soulful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries and adventures which 
sums it up pretty nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it's a very, it's like heavily male gaze-ish, you know, like the, <laughs> it's oh, yeah. definitely through the perspective of a man. Yeah. Like I think I also read another article on the Jezebel on Jezebel um, about going back and revisiting Garden State as well. And she just said, you know, haven't we seen enough from the perspective of the middle-class white man? Yeah. Like, wouldn't it be nice to see something from the perspective of somebody else? And I mean, we're, I guess we're only four DVDs in, but... Uh, none of them have had a female protagonist and none of them have had a female director. Wait, dude, where's my car? No, 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 no I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was a joke, it was a joke. Well, actually, like, when I was thinking about it, I was like, potentially Atlantis has had the best representations of, of, of women. women. And of <laughs> yeah. people of colour, too. Yeah, you yeah know. totally. Um, Which is, you know, interesting. Yes. But, I mean, I when I was... At the age I was when I watched this, I did not think this was... I thought this was like a, you know, a, a in-depth and interesting representation this, of a woman. And this is what I've... When I've talked to people about this film, this is sort of a lot of people that are like into cinema now really thought when they were young, when they were, yeah, year 10, 11, 12, when they saw this, they were like, this is cinema. Yeah. This is what... Well, that's... It was my yeah. film. It was one of my first like art housey that's in it. quotation marks yeah. films because... It's, yeah, it is the first one that I watched and, and enjoyed that was like so kind of different or, I don't know, particular mm. and had this representation of a woman that you don't normally see. Doesn't mean she's not like two-dimensional, which no. was the trick. It was like, yeah. well, it's a little insidious in a way because it was like, it's like, yeah, you could be like this girl. And I was like, yeah, like, you know, I can be quirky and I can be whatever. And that's it's another option to being what we saw in dude where's my car so you have another you finally you get another mm. option to just being sexy and skinny and whatever you have an option of being like quirky and um odd and still being lovable and cute but you're still not a full person no <laughs> and you still exist solely in relationship to a man yeah but i mean the story i still like i still laughed i liked i liked how it's i, I liked the way it was filmed it kind of reminded me of a wes anderson film in a way like it was like all those symmetry everything was like symmetrical or like slightly off or like everything was very deliberate all the shots were very deliberate there was a lot of kind of kitschness mm. overall which i enjoyed about it despite some of its some of the the bits were a bit that were a bit more trite i didn't love the the whole lithium storyline the idea that he was on medication and then he was trying to he had to come off it to stop feeling numb in a line with meeting samantha and whatever i just found that a little bit it's like an easy kind of grab for it was was a very sort of of, yeah i guess basic look at mental health yes exactly yes yes and it kind of contributes to that mythology of of um medication being numbing and it does medication can be numbing to some people and some people do have those kind of reactions to it but not all medication. It oversimplifies like an issue. It really. does, it does, yes. Which is, I guess, stepping into my review of it, that's that's really what I, I kind of thought the whole film was. It was an oversimplification of sort of everything. A bigger, yeah. what's more, yeah. Um, wasn't by any means bad. There were a few times where I was just like, oh, you know. Like just, what? Well, pre- the scene we talked about before, that sometimes I just like to stand up and do something completely unique. Oh, yeah. So in this scene, <laughs> um, they've gone to... Sam's house. Samantha, yeah, Sam's house. And Can't so remember. he goes... He's, like, talking about how he feels uh, disconnected. Or I think he's. they're talking about how he feels, like, so down or something. And yeah. she's like, do you know what I do whenever I feel like that? And then she, like, stands up and, like, dances, kind of, and makes a weird noise. Yeah. 
And then she says, I do something. She's like telling him that she does something that's like so unique that nobody else has ever done it in the world before. Yeah. And people should be more like that. Yeah. And people need to be more their own person. Yeah. And then it gets echoed later on when there's a scene later on where they've gone to find this piece of jewellery and they're in this crazy boathouse. Yep. They've yeah. gone into this uh, big uh, pit yeah. where they do quarry. It's a big old quarry and there's someone that they have to get this piece of jewellery off who's living down there in a boathouse. Yeah, and he says, you know, I like to do something completely unique. And it, it just felt so like smacking your face, like, ah, oh, remember this from earlier on? Yes, there's a bigger picture here. <laughs> I just felt like some of it was just so pushed. There's, yeah. yeah, as I said, no subtlety at all. Yeah. Not like, you know, <laughs> we looked at a few of the DVDs I've already <laughs> brought to the table and probably the one I'm going to bring to next week. And I don't think subtlety is ever anything that's... Um, well, necessary people, to be in a film. People don't. Um, <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> yes, but people directors don't often realise that their audiences can cope with subtlety. That's just it. And yeah. I've got the same feeling on the scene where um, where he describes to Sam the death of his mother. Yeah, I just felt like that bit in the script was just so forced and sort of unnecessary. It was like, you have problems, man. Well, guess what? Here are my problems, dude. I I paralysed my mum. So guess Stuck what? On that. My life's the worst. Yes. You know, yeah. it was just a bit like Yeah. Yeah, the relationship between them was I found a bit strange. Like very I mean this is I think this is a like one of the characteristics of the manic pixie dream girl is that she is kind of childlike. Very childlike. And filled with wonder at the world. And she is so childlike in this film to the point of like being a child. A child, yeah, like it's kind of weird. And he even says to her at one stage, I think he wrote, he says, um, they're talking about home, the feeling of home and the fact that, you know, he doesn't feel at home anywhere anymore. He doesn't feel at home in his old home anymore. And that, you know, sometimes, you know, the, the space that used to be your safe space is no longer your safe space and that kind of thing. And she says, I still feel at home at my home. And then he says, he says, you'll see one day when you move out. Mm. Like, it's like talking down to her almost or like, you'll... Oh, no, little girl, you'll understand one day when you're a real adult, like, and you've moved out of home and whatever. Yeah. So overall, look, I did enjoy it, but also I, you know, I'm not raving mm. about it. But I can understand sort of in the context of where it came from mm. and um, what it was doing, why it's so important to so many people. But look, this story has been done before and it's been done again yes, since yes. Sort of. it'll come up again and again in different iterations mm. yeah so how does it sit in our time i think a lot of people would still probably enjoy it yeah it's not there's some the um one of the kind of offensive-ish bits at the start was when they talk about him playing a retarded in quotation marks mm. quarterback um and they that is a continued theme throughout the movie that he played this retarded quarterback Yes, you find out... And, it, not, and they're not... Yeah, just... It's a bit jarring to hear the word retarded used like that again and again. That's it. It's in this scene where he first meets Sam. Yeah. They're discussing about his acting career. Yeah. And she brings up that he played a disabled footballer. Yeah. But uses... Yeah, says retarded repeatedly. Yes. In a way that language was using sort of at the time. Yes. Um, but it just feels very jarring it now. It feels very jarring. It well, it's interesting. So it is interesting because I watched the start of the director's commentary. So Zach Braff and Nellie Portman were, were talking and were discussing the film as it played. And they talked about that bit. And Natalie is talking about how um, anxious she was about using that word because... And he said as well they were nervous about it. They were nervous about using the word, but it was obviously something that he wanted to include because of the time and place that he was wanting to encapsulate, I guess. I think so. And sort of also demonstrate sort of like 
the backward nature of the town, yes, I think, too. The, I think it very quickly puts forward. It does. That, you know, we're country bumpkins yes. and we don't know about your PC culture. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But they, so we had said, they were saying what they did was that one of their first screenings was a charity screening for a, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Guess where I'm going with yep, this. Yeah, great. <laughs> a charity screening for people with disabilities. Yeah. And donated all of the money to this charity, this group. Um, and apparently they liked it, so they got the yeah. tick of approval. So that's, I don't know, I thought that was really interesting. That's how you get the tick <laughs> you of approval. Get around it. I was just like, that's really interesting that, um, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's funny. Yes. Yeah. Um, no. Besides and, that, I don't know, yeah, I think it's... Well, the, the only other scene was the scene in the hotel, which sort of seems that's randomly true. jarred in there too. There's a, there's a scene later on in the film where they're going on this quest to find the jewellery where they have to go to a hotel and they find out there's this secret room that allows people to pay and watch what's going on. Yeah. So they're watching people have sex um, through like a peephole thing in the hallway behind some of the rooms. And he's like, one of the hotel staff like is taking money from people to come and watch. Yeah. And so we see that. Uh, But again, I think it made me think that it's obviously very deliberate to put that into, again try and communicate the kind of dodginess of yeah. that circle I guess it just felt it, it felt out of place a bit to be yeah. honest yeah. I was just a bit like where, why have they gone here and what does yeah it it felt weird to me yeah well there was a lot of the film did you watch the the any of the deleted scenes and the special features no I didn't I only watched a couple of yeah. special features because there's quite a lot of deleted scenes I think yeah. when they shot it Zach Braff talks about being a first time director and not like really knowing how long things should go for and yeah, the time yeah. and everything. So they showed a lot of extra stuff that had to be on the cutting room floor. Potentially there was another point to that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's just it. I feel like the whole search for the necklace thing is weirdly ch- like cut into segments that make it jump around, jump a around a bit. Yeah. That's it, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure there's yeah more to it. Yeah. I also feel the ends a bit rushed in the same sort of, setting sort of like yeah the ending was very like oh yeah um made up with dad sweet yeah done yeah which i yeah i kind of liked because you don't want to see that really predictable ending of him being like actually i love this small town i'm going to stay here and open up a cafe or something yeah so i did like that it made it more realistic but then to have him turn around and but also if he left i would have been like fucking hell like (laughs) i don't know like what maybe she could have gone with him i don't know maybe I don't know. She had no agency over her own anyway, but I don't know. I did. There were so many, so many people in there that I recognized. Yeah. Tell me. There's Bilbo Baggins. So Bilbo Baggins, which is Sir Ian Holm. Mm. Peter, Peter Sarsgaard, who I just 100% remember from the Saturday Night Live sketch, the Peter Skarsgård Sarsgaard. <laughs> when Sars was a thing, he did this sketch. He was like, are you worried about Sars? By the Peter Skarsgård Sarsgaard. <laughs> They must have a whole series of those because they have the uh, John Ham's John Ham, <laughs> the toilet paper ham that you can eat while you're on the toilet. Oh, it's a funny show. Yeah, it's good. Watch um, it. What else has he done? Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah. Well, he was in An Education. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which I loved that film, but I did see it a while ago. Great. But I like it now. Yep. I don't know. Um, he was in that. I don't know what else he's been in. Lots of stuff. I like his face. He's good. a likable face to have on screen. Yes. Um... And who else? Jackie Hoffman. She's been 
She was in 30 Rock. She plays his uh, auntie who gives him uh, the shirt. t-shirt. So there's this one scene which maybe you probably would know if you know anything about Gun State because it's probably it was one of the promo kind yeah. of shots and yeah. where um, Andrew Zach Braff's character is dressed in a shirt that is the same pattern pattern as the um, wallpaper behind him. Yeah. So he kind of blends in except for his head that you can yeah. see in his arms, which I guess is a... Clever metaphor for how he feels. Exactly. Um, but also kind of visually pleasing and mm. <laughs> funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Shall, that's yeah. So Jackie Hoffman. She's in 30 Rock and she... I'm not sure who she plays in 30 Rock, but her face was just, again, very familiar. And you got, um, you know, Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. Jim Parsons Jim is Parsons in there, is in. which he was not famous at this point. No. So I did not obviously recognise him then, but seeing no. him now playing this very odd character who has a, a young... Not young, but like 27, 26, 27, same age as Zach Braff's character as Andrew, who has a one-night stand with Mark's mm. mum... And oh, is dressed... the one night stand or are they kind of like having a... Well, I thought they were having a fling. Yeah. But then when I watched the director's commentary... Oh, it was a one night he, stand. Zach Braff said it was a one night stand. Yeah. I wanted to... Uh, we should tell him. You did not communicate that no. well. <laughs> I quite like that scene though at the I table. Like I thought that was too. Yeah. well done. Well, I like the scene because he wakes up... This is Andrew wakes up after like this crazy night of taking drugs and whatever and pass, he'd passed out and woken up at... Mark's house and he wakes up and he just sees Jim Parsons dressed in a full armor. Medieval knight's armor. Yes. Yep. And he walks past and he just the, uh, Jim Parsons walks past stops, looks at him and then continues walking in this like clank 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 with all of his full armor on. You can't even see his head or anything. And that was quite I don't know, I, I kind of liked that. Kind of surreal. And yes, very surreal. Cool. Yeah. yeah. But also if you've seen Handmaid's Tale. I haven't yet. Oh. Sorry about it. Well, you obviously hate women. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll take that out. I'll take that out. Um, well, Aunt Lydia, if you've seen The Handmaid's Tale, Aunt Lydia, played by Anne Dowd, is, is Sam's mum in this. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I was, I was like, gosh, she looks so familiar. And then she's Aunt Lydia, who is evil. Oh, no. Yes. Well, that's interesting. Seeing. You know, it's such a, a... Star-studded. Star-studded. Well, it is actually amazing. The budget for this was $2.5 million, and they shot it in 25 days. Wow. Which, considering when we looked at the budget for Dude, Where's My Car? It was like 25 or something yeah. million dollars. And, yeah, like, it's this is obviously this a, have a passion project. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the one thing it's missing. <laughs> yeah. Goddamn ostrich. Yeah, it's obviously from the heart, mm. even if it's misguided from the heart. Yeah, well, you know, it's a, it's a first film. Yeah, well, his second and third films, I don't well, think, were no. that good. <laughs> <laughs> the second one he did was The he Last Kiss. He did a couple of good episodes of um, Scrubs. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he does a great job acting in Scrubs. Yeah. Interestingly, we have been re-watching Scrubs because Laura, it's been Laura's, like, hangover, whatever mm. um, thing, and we've been re-watching episodes of Scrubs. I have a lot of problems with that TV show now. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's of a similar era, um, and Zach Braff's character in that is like fucking annoying. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So we've talked about the people who are in it, how it looks now in time. Did we want it? You were touching on before the the special features. Yeah. So you seem to really dive into these. Uh, I did a little bit with this one more than I did with others. Others. Yep. <laughs> um, I watched the making of Garden State. Yes, which, I watched that too. Did you watch too. that as yeah. well? Yeah. 
So that went for about half an hour and it was just like a couple of onset kind of interviews and, yeah. and that kind of thing, which I, I liked that. That was interesting oh, enough. Yeah. It definitely showed, like, I think it definitely showed that everyone there was, was very passionate about the project. That's it. And that Zach Braff had a very real vision that he was really trying to communicate. In terms of, I guess, the technology, this sort of DVD, this film came out at a time where DVD was a thing. So there was yeah. clearly some special features made, for, for, thought of for yeah, the DVD, yeah, unlike yeah, yeah. the other stuff we've sort of been watching where it's been a retrofit. Of, yes, that's no. right. Yes, yeah. yeah. So yeah, no. So this is, they definitely had thought about the fact that they should have a making of um, yes. when they did it. And actually when I watched some of the bloopers. Yes. Got to love a blooper that? reel, you know. Yeah, I'm never going to go past a blooper reel. I love the bloopers. But no. they actually go, when they made a mistake, it must have been their first day on set and Zach Braff goes... Our first blooper, <laughs> which wouldn't have really been a thing until we had the... I mean, I guess they had their own... Like, maybe there was a way of sharing it around the cast and the crew or whatever. But um, for us, for the, the audience, we didn't really watch bloopers on VHS. No. Um, so, yeah, they obviously knew that there was going to be yep. yeah, a reel of that. And they, they, were, they were interesting. They were funny. I like bloopers. Yeah. I managed to watch... There's a trailer for the soundtrack. Yes, I also watched there. the trailer yeah. for the soundtrack. And look, it hooked me in. I went and bought it shortly after. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I did have that soundtrack on high rotation. Rotation. I imagine a lot of people did. Yeah, I think this is yeah. And it, I still enjoy. After I watched this movie, I put on the soundtrack. They're good songs. Yeah, they are good songs. But I think is it true? I actually Zach Braff can make a playlist. Yeah. At. Well, the OC had good songs in it too. Like it doesn't have to be a good film to have a good no. <laughs> no. soundtrack. Not at all. Um, but was it this film that the Shins got really famous from this film? Yeah, essentially, I think so. and I think they kind of hated it. Oh, really? Well, it's either that or I'm thinking of Death Cab for Cutie and the OC. Mm. One of the Death Cab for Cutie and who got famous through the OC, or the Shins who got famous through this. If you know who it was in which situation, let us know on the socials. Yeah, that'd be a great discussion that would be to so have. So good, like yeah. how interesting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what a way to engage our audience. <laughs> Facts checkers, please. But you also watched some of the commentary. I watched some of the commentary and it was actually interesting because I feel like the relationship, and I would see, especially now, maybe not so much. At this time, Natalie Portman had... Had dated Moby. (laughs) No. (laughs) God damn it, that never happened. (laughs) Retract that statement immediately. We'll be sued. Um, So at that time... So at this time, Natalie Portman had done Star Wars. Yes. Phantom Menace. No, that's the wrong name. Yeah, that's it. Is it? Oh my God. I'm a genius. So she had done Star Wars. So in my mind, she's pretty big at this point in her career. Mm. Um, And Zach Braff has been doing Scrubs since 2001. Um, But their relationship, and now, looking back now, I definitely see Natalie Portman as the more respectable artist. But their relationship in the commentary it was just really interesting listening to the way they spoke and the way they spoke to each other and it felt very much like the relationship that Andrew and Sam have oh, in wow. the film because he was like he says things to her like oh, I wrote it down because I was so intrigued by it oh she's saying things like oh it's so embarrassing like about this shot this one shot and he's going oh I think it's adorable yeah. and like oh I think you look beautiful wow. and it was very like him talking down to her not meaning to like just you know it's just patronising yeah. Yeah. yeah and she and her playing up to that i mean not that not again not deliberately but again being socialized to feel like that i guess and maybe because he was the director on on the the film on the project but yeah yeah exactly. yeah. yeah so i it's found interesting. that interesting i didn't that get to watch yeah i didn't watch the whole thing i just watched 
quite bits and pieces. It's a bit like that with commentaries, isn't it? Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. Especially if you just watched it too. Because that's when I'm like, oh, I'll watch the commentary now. Yeah. I'll watch this. So a good friend of mine had listened, just listened to the first episode of the podcast where we did Robin Hood Many Tights and we were talking about the special features and we must have been, she must have listened to Atlantis as well, where we talk about the special features. And you, she was like laughing because you were really into the special features. You were talking about how you used to love special yeah. features. I don't have this memory at all, but she has very vivid recollections of when we were younger and me trying to force her to watch the special features <laughs> with me. <laughs> and being like, yeah, well, like we just finished a DVD and I'd want to watch the whole, all the special all the features. features. And like, yeah. want to watch the, um, the audio commentary again and whatever. And she was just like, no, no we've just watched it exactly yeah and so she had she was like i'm glad you found someone to watch special features <laughs> with <laughs> um i was trying to force her into all the different roles in my life that i needed a friend in anyway i think this is a natural conclusion to where we're going you have a decision to make Beck. oh my god i don't want to make the decision today someone else can tell me what to do see this is your problem right <laughs> All of your DVDs are borderline good. Uh, do you reckon? Oh, so far. Yeah, but that's because I have whittled down my collection to 40 DVDs. Mm. You still have 500. Yes. <laughs> Wait, excuse me. I'm sorry. 499. 98. 98? Oh, yeah, two. Yeah, you two got rid of Yeah, that's right. Yes. 498. Yeah, so quit stalling. What's happening to Garden State? Zach Braff, is he being thrown into a bottomless pit? As that would be, that would be fitting, yeah, yeah, fitting for him. Well, I'm just going to stall my decision a little bit longer by uh, talking you through whether or not you can access this online. Very important because, you know, you don't want to be getting rid of the only way of ever exactly. watching Garden State again. Yeah. Um, so, not on Netflix, but it is on Stan. He's on Stan. I have had a situation with Stan, though, where I've been in the middle of watching something and then they've taken it off. Stan. Right in the middle yes, of it. I was literally into season, like the final, two, I had two more episodes of season four left. What show? It got, oh, it's a bit embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Lost Girl. All right, it's about a um, succubus. Okay. It's great. Yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> um, so it's on Stan, but it could be taken off Stan at any given moment. Mm. But then again, I could also buy it on Google Play or on iTunes. To be kind of dweeby about it, I think it will be taken off stand because it's a Miramax and Fox production, both Disney companies now. So as soon as Disney's got its streaming service... They'll take it off. Yep. They can't all have a streaming service each. Like, I'm not going to sign up to that many. Well, everything's Disney now, so you're just going to have to sign up for one. <laughs> and it'll be Disney. <laughs> That's fine. As long as I can get my Atlantis and my Garden State on That's the same it. channel. <laughs> That's it. You flick between the two. Exactly. Picture in picture. <laughs> I think mm. I'll get rid of it. I don't think I ever would have watched it again if it hadn't been for this. Yeah, fair enough. And I think part of films like this, not to lecture you on your own feelings, but <laughs> I, I feel like part of it is you really want to keep that sort of moment in your life memory rather than sort of look at it now and go, ooh, he's a bit of a dick. It's very true. It mm. is true. And it's kind of hard. It is hard to let go of something physical that reminds you of something emotional so what do we do about that? How do I capture that? How do I keep that memory without I, the physical... Do you have the soundtrack still? I do have the soundtrack. Okay. I don't have the CD. I've just got the soundtrack on my phone. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not physical. And we'll be doing a whole second round of this. It's called CD, CD. Declutter. <laughs> CD. CD Declutter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think Upshop. Yeah. I wonder yeah. how many copies are in the Upshop. That's true. I'll make sure I check before I leave it at a particular one. Would Fair you like enough. it? 
Nej. Okay. Ja. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Upshop it is. Congratulations. Thank you. I feel a bit nervous about this one. Yeah. This is the first one I'm getting rid of. I know. I hope I don't regret my decision. No, it was like, it was like me with Atlantis. I think it was easier for me though. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to episode four. Yes. Um, if you'd like to be in contact with us about Death Camp for Cutie or The Shins or anything really. If you the want the copy of Garden State yeah. and you can provide a reason why, like something nostalgic that would make me feel better about giving it away then yeah get in contact with us mm. you can get in contact with us over twitter and i'll spell it right this time in episode two apparently i spelt dvd <laughs> coulter not dvd clutter so it's <laughs> dvd e c l u t t e r okay well done yep so that's twitter you can also get us on instagram at the same same name dvd clutter you can rate review Subscribe, subscribe on whatever you listen to. I know a lot of people listen on Spotify. Also Apple Podcasts. Podcasts. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the Apple one. The Apple one. They seem to be the popular choices, yes. but listen where you can. Yeah, listen where you want to. Listen yeah. where it's convenient. Um, we, we love it. We get so much joy looking at our listens. We do. Up. It's really, it's very exciting. Yep. So thank you thank all you very much. Thank you for listening, um, our dedicated followers who have been listening to three episodes now and hopefully to this one. So we thought we'd finish off the podcast with a new little section, actually suggested by my sister. Brilliant. Yes. Um, so next week we will be review- reviewing reviewing your film called mm-hmm. Repo the Genetic Opera. That's right. Repo the Genetic Opera, starring Paris Hilton. Yes, Paris also Hilton. Also starring Ogre. Also starring. The girl from Spy Kids. Yes. And uh, also my personal favourite, Anthony Stewart Head. Oh, yeah. Who I was trying <laughs> to get you to good. stay. <laughs> it, wasn't it wasn't Ogre. It wasn't Ogre. Anthony Stewart Head of Buffy fame. Will I keep it? Will you keep it? Let us know what you think. Repo the genetic opera. Let us know via Twitter, via Instagram. You can tell us personally as well if you'd like. Yeah. Shout it out into the night and we might hear you. Yeah, you can actually, if you really like, you can record a message to us on Instagram and we will maybe play it back here. Yeah. Why not? Sounds good. Anything's possible. But until next week, we'll see you later. Bye. (laughs) Typical fucking white man. (laughs) Great.